Welcome to our podcast. I'm David Kramer, coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been fast friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. We finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, uh, an economics degree, six years of work experience, and have probably, between us, had no oh, 25, 26 different group health plans. And we're making this podcast together to try and help each other. And hopefully you, the listener, save some money. So, Mr. Kramer, what is the topic today? So, uh, we are going to talk about uh, HSAs and FSAs. And uh, they sound like to be the same thing, but they're slightly different. And HSA is a healthcare savings account. Yep. And then FSA is a flexible spending account. Yes, two different S's, um, but they can both be used for the same thing, which is paying out-of-pocket healthcare costs. Absolutely, and I think my recommendation, everybody, is they should 100% do this because it saves them money because you're you're basically paying for healthcare pre-tax, so you're not paying taxes on it. Uh, so let's let's start with uh, healthcare savings accounts, Dave. A- Give us a, a, a 30 second, how do they work? Okay, I'm glad you asked. I'm still learning about them, but I've had one now since 2012 because um, a company I work for went to what's called a high deductible plan. So every year I'm on the hook for a fairly large deductible for my family, about somewhere around $3,000. And if you have what's called a high deductible plan where you are on the hook every year for your healthcare up to a certain amount, after which then there's a, you know, like a 80-20 payout, you're available to have this healthcare spending a- account. And you can set aside money, uh, family can set aside $7,100 a year for healthcare spending accounts each year. Um, so were, was that the only option you had, Dave? Or was that, did they have something that wasn't high deductible? That's the only option that we have uh, at my company. So they, the company moved from like a traditional uh, healthcare plan to this high deductible plan to help put more of it's really what it essentially does. It puts more of the onus back on the employee to think about healthcare spending. And, and they gave us some tools to take a look at what things cost. Cause prior to that, I don't think people thought about what things cost. And if you think about it, healthcare is one of those areas where I can tell you what pretty much everything in my life costs, but with healthcare, it's a little bit of mystery meat. You don't know what things cost. And so the intent was for people to start asking, Hey, how much is that? Uh, test cost, can I get it done cheaply somewhere else? Now, I think the reality is I don't think that happens that much, but that was the intent. Well, that's interesting uh, because I have the luxury of my company, which only has, I don't know, maybe 100 people that uh, are on the benefits because it's a mix of people on our our company benefits and the union benefits. And I believe we're offered four, possibly five different choices of health plans. Um, two different PPOs, uh, a high deductible plan, a typical plan, I think, um, which is oh, kind of amazing. Oh, I got you. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to step back. I, we have a choice of three plans. I, I have the HMO plan just because it's the cheapest and you know me, I'm a cheapskate and there's a PPO plan where you can pick the doctor, but I think they're all high deductible in the sense that you're on the hook for the first, there's a like three grand or so approximately for a family. Hmm. Okay. 
And when they made that switch, Dave, did they give you uh, any money towards it or just this is what you get? Gosh, my recollection, I don't actually don't remember right now. I think the first year they may have given us some money when they made the switch, but the switch was made back in 2012. So right. it's been a while now and now we don't get any money towards that. It's just kind of our plan, if you will. Um, they've given us some software tools to help get a better sense of what things cost. And I've used it a couple times to look at testing. I don't know how well it's used across the, uh, the you know, but um, that's about what we got. So I, before that, and I, I think you have, I think you contribute to a flexible spending account. We'll talk about that. But I think regardless of whether you have a high deductible plan. If you don't, you should get the flexible spending account because it allows you to pay for the same things pre-tax. And just because of a high, because I have a high deductible plan, I can qualify for this healthcare spending account. Yeah, we have one of those. Um, it's leftover from one of my wife's previous employers. And the way they had it set up, it had a big deductible, I believe it was $3,500, but the company fully funded $3,500 a year into the into the HSA account. So it was a no brainer to do it. Oh, that's a nice perk. We know the company I, uh, I was working for, I don't have that, didn't have that option, but I've heard of that before. I think the first year they did something like that to minimize the shock, but it's been a while. I just, I use the spending because I, I there's, there's two things to think about healthcare spending. And I'm thinking about whether I want to do the second piece of this. One is if you just simply used it to pay for your healthcare stuff, you pay it pre-tax, so you're saving money. So people should do that. The healthcare spending works a little bit different than flexible spending. Healthcare spending, you don't use it or lose it. Like with your flexible spending account, you use it or lose it, correct? Yes, if you don't use it by the first of the year or whatever your plan year is, uh, it goes away. Yeah, and so I think that's that's one of the frustrations that people have with it is you use it or lose it. And when I, I, I did it for a number of years, you just gotta be careful, you have to, I, I do know what I spend my money on by using like a financial tracking program like Mint or at the time I was using Quicken, I use personal capital now, but I kind of know from year to year and it varies quite a bit. So when you do your flexible spending account, pick pick some threshold. If you're spending between 1500 and 3000, maybe you want to pick um, 1500 so you don't use it or lose it, but you can also have, you should also have like what I would call a risk mitigation strategy. So at the end of the year, you could potentially say, go get another pair of glasses if you needed it. So instead of waiting for March the next year, uh, pull that forward so you don't use it or lose it. For those of you with flexible spending accounts or buy three months of you know prescriptions for your contacts or something like that. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times people will buy a, a set of prescription sunglasses, which are a very nice thing to have if you're nearsighted. Yeah. So I think, I think the key thing, if you don't have a high deductible plan, you should get a flexible spending account, but do know what you spend on your health care and be careful because you use it or lose it. So like I said, when I looked at my out-of-pocket spend, it's been as low as maybe 1500 in a year, but it's been higher than 4000 So, you know, if you put 4000 in there and only use 1500 you're going to lose that money. It's not a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting that what you can spend the, the healthcare money on, um, uh, particularly if you end up with extra money in your FSA at the end of the year that you have to use up, you should be aware that you can spend that money on things like um, uh, sunblock or um, uh, non-prescription medicines. So you could stock up on um, ibuprofen for the year. 
Uh, that's a good point. My, my kind of thing was I usually go to the eye doctor in March for whatever reason. And I always thought, hey, if it comes to the point where I'm not using it up, I'll just pull that in and maybe buy a new set of glasses at the end of the year. I'll, you just got to do it before the last day of the year. And that's that's the way to not to use it up and not lose it. The um, on the healthcare spending side, the interesting thing about that is it's like an investment account and you can actually pick investments. You can actually invest that in the stock market. And up until now, I've been using it as a transactional account where I um, go to the doctor and I use that money. I use that to pay for my doctor's account. I'm saving the taxes on it because it's, it's pre-tax. But there's a, a friend of mine who's pretty financially savvy said, hey, why don't you use that as a savings account? And what some people are doing essentially is they're using that just like you'd use a 401k or an IRA to save money for retirement because you can, you can roll that money over each year and then use that to spend uh, when for re retirement um, health care and you'll never pay taxes on it. So I'm looking at doing that. And there's a number of people make the argument that's a good thing to do if you can afford to do it. Yes. So that's the enticement of the HSA is if you don't spend the money, you get to keep it on a tax deferred basis until you retire and then you take it out. And then you, right. When you're, uh, how old do you have to be to take it out to spend it on non-healthcare stuff, Dave? 65. And you can take it out and spend it on non-healthcare, but you'll pay taxes on it at that time. But if you get to 65 and spend it on healthcare, you'll won't pay taxes on it, which is really cool. So I consider myself pretty savvy, but this is certainly one area I was not had not thought through all the details. And my, uh, like I said, I get together for coffee with a couple friends of mine who are pretty financially savvy, and he said, you know, you should really be thinking about using that HSA for a savings account for for yourself rather than using it for uh, you know current transactions. I'll call it. Yeah. So for our younger listeners who are starting their career, I think it makes a lot of sense for a single person or, or uh, just a couple with no kids to do this because when you're young and healthy, your out-of-pocket medical uh, expenses are pretty low and you're carrying the burden of insurance costs for the entire population, honestly. So you want to get your premium costs as low as you possibly can. And if you can start saving money tax deferred 40 years before retirement, that can, that can really uh, make a big difference. Yeah. So um, like I said, you, you have to have a high deductible plan. Not everybody has that, but you're seeing more and more of them as employers are trying to shift some of that burden of healthcare to their employees and make them be more price sensitive because healthcare has never been an area that anybody's been price sensitive, if you will, at least in my experiences. But for younger listeners, if, if you can't afford and pay your healthcare out of pocket, max this thing out and, uh, I have mine through Bank of America, and they give you stock options like uh, you can invest in the S&P 500. Uh, there's about 20 different options from anything from you know low risk bond funds to a money market fund to a stock fund. So um, consider putting in a stock fund and letting it grow over many years. Yes, I would advise uh, people to. Uh, I, I think the high deductible plans make a lot of sense. But no matter how healthy you are, I wouldn't recommend self-insuring for insurance because uh, the insurance companies pre-negotiate rates and uh, the list price on uh, medical um, uh, practices are unknown and unknowable and they'll charge somebody without insurance two, five, ten times what they will pay somebody who's had a, a Blue Cross negotiate a fee. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and 
uh, I actually asked the dentist yesterday. I was I went to the dentist yesterday, and I asked the dentist what their fees were because I'm considering dropping dental insurance and just self-insuring. That is an area I where I feel more comfortable with because the downside I think is low, but I wouldn't ever go with that the healthcare side. Right. Um, but I think in some cases, I haven't finished the math on that, but maybe this is a future podcast. It, it may be that what I pay dental insurance may be more than what it would cost me to have, send the family to the dentist, you know, with a normal, maybe a few cavities or a cranberry once in a while. Yeah. Dental insurance is a, a nice perk to get from your employer, but it doesn't actually make a whole lot of in sense as insurance. Mostly what you're paying for is regular cleanings and, and checkups, and they know exactly what that costs. Um, it's not something you need to insure. Yeah, no, you make a good point. I was having that, I had that same conversation with the, uh, the uh, lady at the dental office saying it, insurance is a misnomer because you know you're going to go get a cleaning and get x-rays and that sort of thing. So it's not an unknown. It's like insuring your car for maintenance where you pretty much know, I can tell you exactly what kind of maintenance you're gonna have for your car at a, at a certain level. Um, and to insure for that, you're just paying somebody else to, to put, tack a, uh, 20% margin on top of that, charge you the same thing. Yeah, I did do the analysis on uh, vision insurance and uh, I would maintain it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because there it's the opposite. When you have insurance, they charge you more for glasses. Um, at some point I want to do a show just on glasses because they are grotesquely inflated in price if you buy them at the, the store in the mall. Oh, so you guys, okay, so I think, I think I'm right there with you. I dropped, we had a vision, we have a vision plan through work and you had um, healthcare, dental and vision. I dropped, I think we dropped vision like almost 10 years ago because I did the math on it. it was, it's just way cheaper to go pay for your own out-of-pocket expense and get your glasses at Costco. Yeah, and I have to admit, uh, glasses are so inexpensive if you buy them on the internet. I don't even bother to pay for them out of a flexible or health savings account. Yeah, I've not done that yet online. I've almost pulled the trigger on that, but uh, I might do that at some point. So I've been buying mine from Costco now for about 10 years or so, and it's worked out really well. And it's way cheaper than doing the vision plan and going to their doctor and getting those glasses from the doctor's office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Dave, like I said, I had an HSA, but I was glad when I stopped using it. Um, I got away from it as soon as the my wife's employer wasn't funding the deductible because it's a pain in the butt. You have to track every medical cost, use a different bank account. And when we first started doing it, they had this dedicated um, uh, debit card and it never worked. The pharmacy didn't take it. Uh, the doctor's office couldn't take it. They'd run away, oh, it doesn't work. And then you have to reimburse yourself. It's a pain. Hmm. Yeah, it is a pain. I, I, I got I do. Here's what I think you should do because it is a pain. Uh, it's way better than it was back in the day because I can remember on the flexible spending accounts having to tape receipts to blank pieces of paper and then go to the fax machine and fax the darn thing in. And half the time the fax wouldn't go through because the lines are busy. That was a really pain. But now today with a healthcare spending account, I go to a website. It's run by Bank of America. It's different than my Bank of America regular account that I keep. And you have to go in there and basically I can get through it in less than a minute. You basically, you basically say I'm complying with the rules and regulations and you just tell it, Hey, this is for me. This is my wife. This is my kid. Here's how much it was. And you hit the button and you can have it transferred to your bank account. 
Um, I'll generally do this in real time just because I'm looking at my bank account every day just to make sure something's not messed up. But I, I think a, listeners could do it maybe once a month, but you'd have to keep track of those transactions in a spreadsheet or keep track of them in your Mint program or your Quicken or your personal capital and make sure you're reimbursing it somehow. It, there's some record keeping associated with it. Right. So the marginal effort for you, Dave, is almost nothing because you were tracking each cost on a daily basis for right. uh, what I'll call regular people, <laughs> just lazy people like me. We, we don't do that. We check our credit card to make sure we're looking for fraud and that the uh, charges are reasonable, but I, I don't compare my, uh, my credit card charge with my receipt from Taco Bell from the 11th of the month last week. Yeah, I stopped that, but, but, um, <laughs> but here's what I think you could do. I, I think all our listeners, you should track your spending in some sort of program. And the two free ones I would recommend, I've used Mint, which I like. I think it's better for people who are starting out in, in their careers. I think it has better budgeting side. I like personal capital. And you just, if you look at your credit card transactions and the ones for healthcare, if, as long as you just make sure they're clicked on healthcare, then you can look at that periodically. And you could step back and look at it, say once a quarter and say, okay, here's the 10 charges for healthcare. And then you could go into your healthcare spending account and you can just do them boom, boom, boom in a row and maybe get done within 20 minutes. That's what I would suggest because it's going to save you your marginal tax rate. So let's say some of the listeners are in the 22% marginal tax rate. It's going to save you 22% on every transaction. Yeah, I had an experience. I used my HSA just for healthcare stuff and I neglected to file the form with my taxes. Mm -hmm. And I got a bill from the IRS saying, hey, you withdrew $2,633 from this account. You owe us $700 plus penalties and interests because you didn't prove that they were for health care. Um, so one needs to pay attention to that. Yeah, it's a good point because, okay, so you have a good point. And I keep a little folder that just sits in the extra bedroom where I just take those receipts and put them in a folder. And then you keep, keep them for three years and you can shred them after three years. Cause if you're getting audited on your taxes, the deduction side is only going to get audited for three years. The income side will get audited for up to seven. So you can just basically keep them for three years and shred them. Right. So I, I'm, you are right. And I am wrong. It's worth the effort because you're, Saving, I mean, you got to spend at least a thousand dollars, I would guess, during the year, and it could easily be three thousand dollars. And you're doing it before tax instead of after tax, so you're talking uh, after tax savings of five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. Yeah, unless you're really, really valuable, you uh, value your time highly, it makes sense to, to do that, and you probably should be doing it anyway, right. But if you're a super busy person, so here's the other thing too. Here's what I'm thinking about because I was using my HSA for transactions. And for a while, we had a lot of healthcare going on between 2012 and 2016 where I didn't really have a balance. I would just basically get a doctor's bill and pay it with it. Well, now my balance is actually increasing because like I had a surgery a few years ago, my son had a surgery. So there's some big doctor's bills there right. and I didn't have a balance, but I was paying for for free tax. But now I've, I've got a balance. It's up over 10 grand. Um, I'm thinking I might try to use that as a savings account. So there's nothing to do if you have, use it as a savings account except invest in the stock market and let it ride. When you're 65, then you can use it to pay for some of that stuff that Medicare doesn't cover. Yeah. Uh, another reason I got away from it was when the kids were little, it seemed like uh, the high deductible 
insurance didn't make sense because um, you were having lots of healthy care checkups and stuff like that. Yeah, I have no. I, with my company, I have no choice. They just moved to a high deductible plan. But like you said, you have a you have a choice. So like, if if you don't have the HSA, I would say do do the flexible spending account. I know we had talked about this briefly before, but um, you said there's some changes to the FSA this year because of COVID. Yeah, they're allowing you in the middle of the year to change your um, uh, contributions, um, which normally you can only do uh, if there's a life-changing event, like you lose your job, or I guess maybe your spouse loses their job or somebody passes away. Uh, but they are allowing people to do it in the middle of the year because I believe because so many people are not having to pay for child care. So they don't want them to lose that money. It's interesting because that was one of the big things you could use with that flexible spending and care. And if you, that would be a big chunk. And if you weren't paying for that, that'd be a lot of money for everybody to, to anybody to lose really. Wow. Yeah. That would be painful. Um, also people are spending less on healthcare. Uh, the hospitals are suffering actually because very few people are getting um, uh, non-emergent procedures done. That's a, that is a good point. I, I went to the dentist yesterday. It's been, it was the first time I left the bunker in probably three months. And of all the people I've talked to, I think I've done the least amount of interactions. That was a big debate about whether I should go to dentist. I, my teeth felt, felt funny on the right-hand side, but every once in a while they feel that way. Dentist checked it, no problem. I figured it was just more important to keep that regimen going than it was not to go. And then at least he checked my teeth and didn't see any cavities. So I'm, I feel better about it. And, uh, but you're right. A lot of people are not going to the, my family's put, put off a lot of wellness visits for certain things. Yeah. My son uh, had his uh, wisdom teeth flare up and within two, three days of uh, noticing the ache in his teeth, he had his teeth pulled. Uh, I was stunned that you could get in to see an oral surgeon that fast and get the procedure done. Hmm. Maybe because they're not really doing that much work. Cause you, like you said, people are trying to put a lot of that elective surgery off. Yep. Yeah. Interesting times. Um, but uh, I, it's very easy now. They're all switching to telemedicine. And so mm -hmm. I think that's going to catch on. Um, when I thought I might be ill, um, I had a headache and a sore throat. I was able to see my doctor via whatever, uh, HIPAA uh, secured video chat um, within two and a half hours. And I got the covid test at a drive-through hour and a half after that mm, wow yeah my mom who's in her 90s has had a three or four telemedicine visits uh since covid because she's would be a high risk person for sure yeah it's wonderful not having to park and not being around uh, i never like going to the doctor's office it's all full of sick people dave <laughs> You got, you got it. Um, I mean, for people like my mom, especially, she's got to stay away from the doctor until this COVID thing, until we figure something out, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I think the HSA makes sense. I would argue you are correct. People should take advantage of it if, if it's available. Um, and uh, you, you're making an argument for people who are close to retirement. It makes tons of sense. And I think we agree. It makes lots of sense for uh, a young person who doesn't plan on going to the doctor at all. Yeah. I, and I think what I hadn't thought about before is if it, it's another tool that you can use for saving for retirement, especially if you're younger, max that thing out, max your 401k, max your IRA out, and then you can use it to pay for healthcare spending once you retire at 60 
five and it's all tax free. So helps you get there faster. Uh, you probably haven't looked into this yet, but um, if you uh, make it all the way through with money in it, Dave, and you die with $100,000 in your health savings account, do your heirs have to pay tax on it when they take it out? You know, that is a really, I do not know, but I'm going to go find the answer to that question out. Okay. Uh, maybe I can put it in the show description when we uh, post this one. That I, that I, that's a good question. I do not know. Certainly with other, certainly my IRA, my 401k, that can all be um, given to your heirs, but that on the HSA, I would imagine it would be, but I would, Im I don't know if it'd be taxable or not. I would imagine so, but I don't know. <laughs> so I'm sure you've heard this, Dave. It turns out that when they change the, um, uh, what, what do you call the death taxes? Oh, uh, state uh, taxes, estate tax rules. Mm -hmm. It affects the death rate. People will hang on or die early in order to uh, maximize uh, or minimize the taxes their heirs have to pay. <laughs> I haven't heard that. So if the, if the estate plan, uh, if the rate goes down, then people live longer. I, it must affect people's DNR orders or something. Ah, interesting. I never, I've never seen that. Very interesting. It's like a Supreme Court justices deciding when they're going to retire. Mm, I gotcha. I think for most people don't have that word. <laughs> the, 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 the uh, estate tax uh, level for where it kicks in is so high that I think uh, most people don't have to worry about that. Uh, right. So that's why people are living longer. <laughs> yeah. So if we just keep on raising that, we'll live and we'll live to infinity then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, anything else we should cover on this topic? There are, we should point out that FSAs can apply to some other things besides healthcare, particularly uh, daycare for your kids and I think um, care for an uh, elderly relative as well. I yes, I believe that falls under what they call dependent care FSA, but. Uh, I would encourage our listeners to look at either one of these things. This is a really good way to uh, save money. I know that tracking is a pain and a lot of people hate doing that. I, and I know I'm kind of a nerdy, but if you can just figure a way to do it and set some time aside, maybe once a quarter, I think you're going to be better off. You're going to save hundreds of dollars, maybe even potentially thousands of dollars. Yeah. And definitely don't make your final decision based on uh, advice from two knuckleheads with a podcast, um, talk to your uh, human resources professionals because they're used to these questions because nobody understands it. The rules change all the time and there's always somebody new to it. Um, so they're, they're, they're always happy to help. They, they have the same goals you do. All right, Mr. Kramer, I think we've hit that one. All right, well, it was good talking to you. Uh, stay healthy. All right, and save some money being healthy. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.